0: Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show present the Weekend Preview. We are talking about everything involving hashtag UFC San Antonio headlined by an absolutely massive bantamweight fight between Marlon Vera and Corey. And hey, what will happen? We don't know but I think we're going to have a lot of fun regardless. We also have plenty of other fights to talk about. Holly Holm back in action, among others. And, Dominic, that's not all because we have some headlines, including Leon Edwards says he will turn down a fight with Colby Covington. We got Dana White talking about going back into boxing. And we have some fight announcements, all this and more. And it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody, to the show presented by, well, two most typical podcasters. You know, just put our faces up there. This is what every podcast duo looks like. You know, you always see those memes going around. That's that's us. Uh, I'm the fat one. My name is Noah Baker. I come to you from the great state of Indiana. The man on your left. Is Dominic Slee, the man that we all love, is Dominic Sully. Dominic coming to us from the great state of Ohio, the state that I will be here soon, a permanent resident of once again. Mm. 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 And Dominic, we have a good card to go over here for UFC San Antonio. Corey Sanhagen taking on Marlon Chito Vera. A lot of other fights on here, but it kind of starts with that main event. Give me your thoughts just how you're doing, how you're feeling about this weekend as a whole. You're dropping shit. Your room's falling apart. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. It's uh, It's been a good week.
1: It's been a busy week. Staying busy. Getting some things done. Uh, but it always feels good to stay busy. But now we're in the studio. We've got a great card. A pretty solid card for uh, San Antonio, Texas. I think they're going to mm-hmm. enjoy it. The main event It don't get much better than that. I mean, when you've got two top five Bantamweights, you know you're in for a treat, regardless of how you match them up. We just had a great one two weeks ago. We're getting another one here. Bantamweight's on fire. I'm so pumped to break down this fight. Life's good. Life's great. No, I hope the same for you as we head into this final weekend. Yeah, final weekend of
0: March already. Uh, They say uh, April showers are nearly approaching, and... They were calling for here in Indiana. Supposedly this week we were supposed to get up to five inches in rain. Wow. Uh, uh, part of that was, I believe, yesterday. The rest of it's supposed to come tomorrow and Saturday. So
1: mm.
0: going to be a fun weekend, it sounds like. But I will probably do what I do most of the time, and I will stay in the apartment. There you go. <laughs> but, Dominic, it all starts with that main event for UFC San Antonio Let's see that odds on the screen. Marlon Vera, plus 140, taking on Corey Sanhagen, minus 165. However, Marlon Vera, number third-ranked weight in the world, Corey Sanhagen, number five. So top-five matchup, a amazing main event, clearly has a lot of stakes to this talent-stacked bandweight division. You already mentioned we had another big fight in that division just two weeks ago where Marav Dwalishwili put on the performance of his life and dominated the former champion, Pewter Jan, so Dominic, a question for you to kind of start here. We sort of know that Marlon Vera has a lot at stake here. I mean, he is clearly, you know, in the title picture. He is in the mix. He feels yeah. like one of those guys that is one away. Yeah. Even though we kind of have a few guys that feel like they're one away. <laughs>
1: also. So obviously
0: The uh, the motivation is obviously there for Marlon Vera. Uh, What does this fight mean for Corey Sanhagen? Like, where does he really fall in your eyes in the current uh, Bantamweight division, the current title picture? How far away is he from putting himself back into uh, a title shot?
1: Yeah, it's honestly crazy, man. We literally have everyone outside of Aljamain uh, as one went away from a title shot, it feels like, at Bantamweight. It's just so sick right now, this division. For Corey, it's interesting, though, especially with a loss, because then we're talking three out of his last four being losses. Now, yes, they would all be two top-level competition. It would be Marlon Vera, it would be Peter Yan, and it would be TJ Dillashaw. You could argue that he beat TJ Dillashaw, and even in the Peter Yan fight, very close, very competitive, fantastic fight, my favorite fight of all of 2021. Corey Sanhagen is always competing and in close fights, and Marlon Vera, kind of the same. Like, yeah, he finds ways to pull away big, but they always start pretty close, and then he kind of edges his way. So when these two clash, it makes it very exciting. But I will say this, uh, Noah, if Corey were to lose here, I feel like, you know, we've, we've called for him to get that step back just so it doesn't like, you don't want all these losses to normal contenders to build up on your resume mm-hmm. because, yeah, like, it's against top level guys, but if you're not beating them, it's hard to put you into that title shot so if he does lose here i think we do need to see that legitimate step back to like you know number 10 and backwards in a next fight but that's all basically a monday conversation but that's just how i feel going in so i do think just as much as on the line here for Corey sanhagen as there is for marlon vera because if marlon wins that's a title shot. That's five straight wins against incredible opponents. So it's almost like in two different kind of aspects because I feel like if Marlon losing, loses to Corey, it's not as detrimental as Corey losing to Marlon. So that's my thoughts. That's where my head's at in terms of the storylines heading in. What do you got for me?
0: That's a very fair assessment. I do feel like we said a lot of the same things about Corey Sandhagen when he fought Song Yadong his last time out. Um, of course, at that time he was coming off back-to-back losses, um, even more so a reason for him to get a win, so that way we didn't have to push him to the you know fight mm-hmm. backwards and stuff. Um, and then he gets a win there, and he looked great. I mean, he looked absolutely yeah. awesome. You know, him and Song Dong had a, a great fight, but um, at, per usual with Corey Sanhagen, he wanted out with the volume, but also Man. Dominic get a little more. He had a little more zip on those punches, a little yeah. he packed, a little more of a punch, and truthfully, I thought in a lot of ways his conditioning and his ability to take a shot better. Just he had a better ability to withstand punishment. Songy Dong, mm-hmm. he wanted to keep going, but his body just told him no. He yeah. had the, I believe, the eye had swollen up mm-hmm. and he couldn't see out mm-hmm. of it. So that's sort of what ended things. But he looked great. So you know. I guess he is still kind of in a vulnerable position because the problem isn't really the loss. Like it's not that he's losing like, yeah, that's not good. Right. But it's the fact that the people he's lost to like TJ Dillashaw retired. So, okay. There, there you go. But Peter Yan, another loss. And then you had Aljamain Sterling. I believe those are his, those are his three UFC losses. Aljamain's the champion. Peter Yan also in a weird spot, but you know, because of that like it does kind of feel like he has a little bit more room to work with i mean this is one of the fresh matchups for him though in that top five like that's what makes it so important is because you know who who knows when he would get an opportunity to fight someone like sean o'malley or mirab
1: do you even want
0: to fight either one of those guys like it's not exactly an easy fight either way so he has to kind of make it take advantage of these fresh matchups for him so that, as you say, I think that's more of the bigger problem here. If the losses continue to pile up and it's people who are still going to remain relevant,
1: yes, in that
0: bantamweight division for the next two, three, four years, it's hard to get that win back all the time. Like, it's not yep. easy to get back into a rematch scenario. Not everybody gets a Leon Edwards situation where they claw their way back and. Look at all he had to go through to get that title fight in the first right. place. So, um, With that being said, though, I'm going to tell you why I'm betting on Marlon Barrett in this fight. Okay, please do. Because I did take him money line, plus 140. I do believe this fight's very close. <clears throat> and I believe it's like razor thin close. Yeah, yeah. I expect this to be mostly a striking affair, and I think it's going to be glorious. I think it's going to be very mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. You don't expect a quick finish when you have these two guys. I just don't see that happening. By the way, did you realize this is Marlon Barris' 21st UFC bout? I mean. It really is wild. Yeah. Guy under the radar for so many years, and then he's really just. Yeah, I don't want to say. I, I feel like the, it's an overused comparison for me at this point to call him like another version of Charles Oliveira. But in some ways he is. Like, But even he didn't have near the expectations Charles had when he was on his struggle. Yeah, it's only 30. Like, yeah, yeah. That's that's even crazier. Um, with that being said, I'm thinking Marlon Vera, money line. Biggest reason comes down to I know this is a fresh, like it's a fresh matchup. The type of striking, the volume with which Corey Sanhagen throws with is not necessarily something Marlon Vera has been accustomed to at that level. Same could be said for the power of Marlon Vera against Corey Sanhagen and the durability mixed in with that. For sure. For and sure. Marlon Vera is very patient as well. He's willing to go down in a fight in order to pick his shot later. Did that with Dominic Cruz, I believe, and Frankie Edgar. So yes. I think it benefits Marlon Vera this being a five-round fight because Corey does come out pretty fast um, and puts a lot of volume into a strike. So he's able to build off having kind of a striking lead on you. But I will just say, and again, MMA math doesn't really work, but I'm just going to look at the fact that Corey Sandigan's last two losses, which did go the full distance, full five rounds, he outstruck both Peter Yan and TJ Dillashaw. I know the Dillashaw one's controversial for that reason because mm-hmm. most of Dillashaw's work was done in the clinch, up against the fence. You know, yeah, he was. I think he had torn his ACL right for that uh, yeah. during that fight. So, <clears throat> but the Yan on one, he did outstrike him as well, pretty close, but still outstruck him and lost. You look at Marlon Vera, who in hit one of the fights that stuck out to me was his Rob Font main event. For sure. Rob Font, it was the biggest, I believe, in UFC history, the biggest single fight striking differential where the loser or the the loser had more strikes than the winner. It's kind of a weird record to word properly. But essentially, Rob Font, I believe, over doubled Marlon Vera's strikes for that fight. And yet Marlon Vera won four of the five rounds. And it felt so clear, even as a fan, yeah. that he had Completely. won. Completely. You because know? the yep. power shots of Vera were the difference. He picks yep. his shots so well. He's methodical in his approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it has worked out for him up to this point. Now, he is going up against Corey Sandhagen, who I think is a, at this point, he's I would say he's better than Rob Font. I would say he's better at this point than Dominic Cruz, even though I still think Dominic Cruz being a little bit slept on in the division. Yep. I would say he's better than Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar, of course, retired. Yes. So because of that, can Marlon Vera come back from being down here? Because I do think that's what's going to happen. I do think he probably drops this first round. Is he able to be losing half a round and do what he kind of did to Rob Font where he lands a massive barrage of shots and is able to drop him, hurt him, whatever, show the visible wear and tear. You know, that's really what made the difference there. So, if he can't do that, if he can't find those opportunities to really show the judges the kind of damage he's inflicting, big shots, big moments, it might be a tough fight for him to get a win on. It might be one of those decisions where. You know, Vera has his moments, but ultimately Sanhagen just builds up too much of a lead and is too durable for Viven Vera to put away. But I'm sort of banking on him being able to uh, pick those shots well enough to where he will make the most of them. And for Corey, he starts out hot, and I'm not going to say he slows down or gasses out, but I feel like where Corey starts and where um, – where Vera start, they reverse by the end of the fight. Like Mm -hmm. Corey starts out hot. Vera starts out a little more patient. By the end of the fight, you got Sanhagen who's going to be slightly more reluctant while Vera's the one that's going to be pushing the pace. That's how I see it going. If it was a three-round fight, I would have not near the confidence uh, in Marlon Vera here. But due to the circumstances, due to the five rounds, and the fact that he's plus money pretty decent plus money if it, if the odds were reversed i'd probably take Corey sanhagen and be trying to convince you guys now why i thought that was a good idea but as it stands that is my reason for marlon vera dominic anything that you feel differently about this matchup on is there anything i'm missing from these guys in terms of their x's and o's
1: no i think that's great and odds aside Let's talk about a narrative here that you just discussed. It almost sounds oh so familiar to one Pewter Jan, does it not? Someone that starts down, starts a little slower, and will then analyze, make the adjustments, pull ahead in the later rounds, which is exactly what Pewter Jan did against Corey Sandhagen. Now, the biggest difference between Vera and Jan is the way in which they strike, because yeah. Vera, a lot more kick-heavy, uh, a lot more power even than what Pewter Jan presents. So... The power discrepancy does separate them, but the way that they start slow, they try to pick shots, where will it get me in rounds three, four, five are very similar here. And being that we've seen Corey lose a fight in that matter to Pewter Jan, not necessarily a uh, tip for tat blueprint here for Vera, but you got to think for him mentally going in that he yeah. knows <clears throat> over the course of five rounds I can do something that someone else has already done to Sanhagen. This fight is just electric, man. And it speaks volumes to how great 135 pounds is right now in the UFC. It's the best division in MMA right now in the UFC, undoubtedly, I think, for sure. And this is a, this is beautiful. And maybe this is more of a Monday conversation, too, just because of so many heavy things, right? But don't you at least feel that if Marlon Vera wins here and makes it five in a row with big steps up in competition each step of the way. Not to mention he has a win over uh, Sean O'Malley as well, who's number one right That's now. True. That's true. It feels like the man has earned a title fight, but with two other people that have also done the same thing, like what do you make of that for Vera? Does it almost like kind of for him make it not less important, but just like, oh, man, like, I can have a really good win here and maybe it still won't matter. Like, what do you kind of make of this situation? Well,
0: it makes me confident. He's really going to go for it here. I mean, I think he's really going for it. If you see some of the comments he made this week, you know, he was being pretty real as he's one to do. I mean, he's Cheeto, right? He's, I mean, he's a fucking boss. And yeah, when he was speaking to the media, some this week, he said things like, I mean, he was talking about the UFC rankings. I like I don't give a fuck about that. The UFC rankings. Like yeah. they can give a guy who's ranked number 10, a title shot. I got to go out there and earn it basically. So, you know, and he said, he's fine with that. And I think that, that, uh, that added motivation is only going to thrive him here. You know, this is a guy who 21 fights. Well, it'll be 21 fights after Saturday, 20 fights in is just now starting to get the respect that he yeah. has Deserved yeah. for probably much longer than that. He's really coming to his own. He's put it all together. Now's the time. For a guy like that who remembers probably being that guy that was curtain jerking a lot of cards early on in his career, who was probably making very little money in the Uf- in terms of the UFC, You know, I'm sure he remembers that. And with a guy like that, you look at this as like, if I lose, I might risk going back to that. So yeah. that's just again, these guys are built completely different. He's at a point where he probably feels he's in a more fragile position than he actually is, which again, yeah. I think is just gonna add more motivation to him to go in there and get that win or at least really go for it. You know, I don't think he's gonna hold back. I think yeah, by the yeah. end of it, Corey Sandhagen could very well win this fight, but I don't think we're gonna say uh, Marlon Barron is going to look at the tape and wish he had done more. I really don't think so. I think if Corey Sandhagen wins, it's because he was the better man on that night. No questions asked.
1: Yeah, uh, dude, a win here for either guy, it's not coming easy. It's its going to be a scratch, <clears throat> claw, dogfight either side of the coin. That's why it's wonderful.
0: Good touch on the good point, by the way. You kind of mentioned it in passing about the leg kicks, though, because uh, that could be a really big weapon here for Vera. With the you know, movies leg Corey. kick heavy. Yeah. And he, of course, he likes to keep himself at a leg kicking distance because of that. Corey Sanhagen, also a guy who kind of likes to fight from range. But in order to win this fight, I feel like Corey's gonna have to get more in the pocket, which again opens him up to a lot of those power shots from Marlon Vera. That's hmm. just I'm glad you reminded me of that. That was another point that I had in my head of like, yes, this is gonna rationale my bet on Marlon Vera. That will probably not hit, but that's okay. <laughs> I will also mention I do have uh, a leg of a parlay with this fight on it. That's for this fight to start round four. Okay. Okay. I do see that this fight going a little bit longer. Of course, there's a chance anything can happen, but both guys' durability on both these guys' sides to really turn this into a Mm dogfight, I don't think it ends before the championship rounds. I just don't. No,
1: I agree. I agree.
0: Um, with that Dominic, we will look at the rest of UFC San Antonio. And you know what? I'm feeling I'm feeling a little frisky today, Dominic. Okay. I'm going to open up the whole card to you. <laughs> the whole oh card. Boy. Main okay. card, prelims. I want you I want your little brain, well your big brain, but your little your little mind to run wild with whatever fight you want to talk about.
1: Um okay, so we do have a really good main card. It's a really good six fight main card. Shall we start with some flyweight action, though, Noah? I yeah, mean, it, it feels like to. we should, right, on this show. So, number Men six, or women,
0: you know? Men we're, or women, we're, yeah. We're the pride right. of the flyweights for both sides. I, I'm getting 125
1: men's and women's tattooed each-ass cheek. <laughs> I'm going to have to eventually. <laughs> number six, Alex Perez. Number nine, yeah. Manel Cop. Alex Perez, like plus that, 150. Man. Manel Cop, minus 175. Fantastic matchmaking here. It really is. Perez coming off two straight first-round submission losses. But they are to two of the top five flyweights in the world. Davis and Figueredo for a title. Humongous layoff. And then lost to Alejandre Pantoja, who should be fighting next uh, against Brandon Moreno for the title. Big layoff there, as I mentioned. I believe, now shout out to GC for this on the MMA Hour. In that, you know, kind of two year, two and a half year now, point eight bouts canceled for Alex Perez. Yeah. Not all of them his fault, but damn. That's that crazy that shame. you just
0: said that because I was just in my head going, whenever he lets me talk, I'm yeah. gonna say, shout out to GC for this. Yeah. But uh, the only thing I'm worried about is this fight actually taking place. As long yeah, as it recording gets there, on Thursday, yeah. As long yeah. as it gets there, yes. Dominic, fuck yes, put this put mm. this fight into my motherfucking veins, dog.
1: Yeah, I I think you know because of that layoff. Perez probably not getting the respect he should be going into this. This is a guy that going into the title fight was on a three-fight win streak, two straight finishes. He was the first Contender Series alum to challenge for a title. The guy's really good. So I hope that all this time off hasn't plagued him of his prime years. Manel Cop, okay? We were pumped when he came into the UFC, and boy did he falter. He had two very lackluster performances, pantoja was his debut. Hell of a debut fight, looking back on it in hindsight. And then Matthias Nicolau, also a super tough fight for your second one. He lost both, and the output just wasn't there. The um, oh, what's the word? Oh, shit. When they like urgency. go for it, urgency. Thank yeah. you. The urgency wasn't there. Ever since then, completely changed man. Three straight wins, two of them by finish. Even the fight with Dvorak. That's just, shout out to David Vorak for not going down because he had multiple opportunities to finish him there and he just couldn't. That's how tough that guy is. So he's really coming into it right now and he's still only 29 years old. This should be very, very exciting and it's very important. Like I said, number six versus number nine, if Manel can put four straight wins here together, I think one more after this and he's finally in that title shot picture, which is what. I, and even I believe you, have kind of at least expected of him with all the hype he Mm -hmm. had coming into the UFC. Perez, he needs to bounce back. No better way to do it than this new kind of star boy. I think that's even his nickname, Manel Cop. I know you love it. You've already said injected into your veins. Just give me a little bit more of your thoughts.
0: No, I I love this fight. It is the second best fight on the card, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's somewhat annoying, and it's like opening the main card kind of, but, you know, I, I'm not gonna harp on that too much because the UFC does a lot of weird bout orders, so who cares? Yeah. But yeah. Um, can we just say for Alex Perez, you know, what a weird place he's in because that stat you just threw out is nuts, and not all of those are his fault, by the way. The eight, right. The eight right. fights not you know coming into fruition, eight canceled bouts, whatever. You know, not all of those are his fault, but some of them are, and mm-hmm. he has had some issues with making weight. Yeah. And. You know, this is the guy, by the way, who, even though it was under uh, interesting circumstances, he's the first contender series guy to ever fight for a UFC title. He did so against Davis and Figueredo back in the early days of this podcast, UFC 255. Mm -hmm. Not one of the better UFC cards of um, recent memory, better pay-per-views anyway. Not not so much. But um, he was the first to do it. Now it feels like Dominic, he's lost two in a row, both by first-round submissions. You know, with a loss here, especially if it's quick, another quick finish, you got to think they probably give him one more at least because flyweights already doesn't have yeah. a ton of names in it. Yeah, But he is a guy, if let's say he loses this one, and let's say the next time out he has a weight miss, this is a guy that's at risk of being on the chopping block. He's an exciting yeah. fighter, which I think helps him. Four straight fights. Four straight first round finishes, two losses, two wins, um, but that's been the problem. It's been, the, it's become much more sporadic for him to actually show up. And there's nothing yeah. I can't imagine there being much that Dana and the boys hate more than scheduling a bout and that guy either missing weight or having to pull yeah. out of the bout. Is like yeah. right up, you know, on fight week and stuff. So he's got to be in a vulnerable place while Manel Cop finally feels like he's. Gotten himself out of whatever that rut was he was. Yeah. He has just looked completely reborn after that two-fight skid he took to start his career. Was it the the nickel out fight, or was it actually his win against Osborne where he missed weight too? It was
1: the first win of the three-fight okay. win streak that he missed weight. Yeah, so, so again, even then we even were like Damn. that first win. It's like <laughs> yeah. can
0: this guy just put it all together? Well, I think right. he's done that. I think his last yeah. time out, even though it wasn't a finish, like you said. I thought it was probably his most complete performance to date in the UFC. Yeah. And, you know, the first round finish of Zalga Zumagulav. I always forget how to pronounce this guy's Zuma-Gulof. name. Gulov, The guy with, like, four wives or whatever He's <laughs> He's got, like, he's got, he's he's, he's about that life, you know. Okay. So, um, But I was a good finish. But David Dvorak, I thought, was just a more complete performance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely the second best fight. I'm going to say, Dominic, in order to, even though there's probably another fight that I prefer, I will do to main just to kind of, you know, keep it somewhat on the higher part of the card here. Uh, Holly Holm taking on Yana Santos. Dominic, would it surprise you to know that Holly Holm's only seven and six in her UFC career?
1: Honestly, at this point, no. But at one point, I would have said, what? You're crazy. But I understand yeah. the narrative. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and what's crazier is so she's coming off a loss. Catlin Vieira, I still stand by that I thought she won that fight. Yeah, but before that, she had won back-to-back fights against Irene Aldana and Raquel Pennington. That's not nothing, right? You know, that's a pretty good wins. However, before that, she hadn't had a winning streak in the UFC since she knocked out Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's crazy. You know, that's but she's and this doesn't really. Paint the best picture because you dig into those losses and wins and you see she's fighting nothing but the best competition. It's a bit like Justin Gaethje's record last week. It doesn't really tell the full story. But there is a question. That Ketlin Vieira fight was not the best Holly Holm we had seen in recent memory. You look at that Irene Aldana fight, Holly Holm. That was the best. Outside of rounds. That was 2020, fall of 2020. That fight with Ketlin Vieira was nearly... Well, it was about a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. And she did not look like the same version of Holly Holm that fought that fight. And, you know, maybe some of that's due to Ketlin Vieira. But now you look at Irene Aldana, who's right back in the title discussion, potentially the next girl to take on Amanda Nunez. It just makes me wonder, Holly Holm's, what, 38, 37 now? 41. Okay. Even and more just so. signed a six-fight deal. Yeah, she just signed it. And I, I'm not going to look too much into that because a lot of fighters at the end will sign these like crazy long contracts, but it they only end up fighting like two more fights and then they just retire. So, uh, but it is interesting. UFC is talking to her about boxing, which we'll talk more about uh, later. But I just think that's the big question here because I think if Holly Holm is who Holly Holm should be here, I don't see her losing to Yana Santos. Yana Santos is yep. a solid fighter, she's a good fighter. Married to a guy that's going to be uh, debuting in the PFL here soon, Tiago Santos. She apparently fought pregnant. If yes, Dom. <laughs> I disagree. But yeah. uh, funny enough, if you look at their last five fights, they've they they're on the same trajectory. You go five fights back, they've won one, lost one, back to back wins. And now they're coming off losses. Mm. Santos did it against Irene Aldana. That was a really impressive uh, knockout for Aldana, actually. So yeah, I mean, I do think Holly Holm's just a much better fighter, but the question is, is she going to be Holly Holm as we expect her to be on this night? But I am kind of uh, my parlays would tell you that I am believing in that because the parlay that had Vera Sandhagen to start round four, second leg Holly Holm money line. Dominic, I have another parlay on here. I put home Santos over one and a half as one of the three legs. So. I feel like, that's a pretty safe bet. I think that was like a minus freaking 600 or something for that to happen. So, you know, hopefully Holly looks good, but not too good.
1: Yeah, I love both of those, and I also have um, Holly home as part of a two leg money line parlay. And you, it's basically what you said. I just don't, I can't, I put it on my sheet here. She's my Marvin Vittori this week. I just mm. don't see her losing this fight to Yana Santos. I would be really really surprised if santos can pull that out and maybe she can she's been out for a while obviously she had a baby but still a long layoff she's got a good training camp at american top team for all i know she could pull off the upset here she's like eight years younger now but i'm still holding on to that holly home that fought Irene Aldana. i still think she's there at least some portion of it's there and i think even a portion of that holly home can beat yana santos so
0: Okay. And I'll go ahead and take the next one and then I'll kick it to you for fight the fourth fight we're going to talk about. So, you know, again, there's a couple fights that like there's my I have a couple of my guys on here. You know, I got I got Landweir on here, I got Durayev on here. But I'm actually gonna talk about Andrea Lee, Macy Barber, and this is pretty okay. much to ask you a question, Dom. Is Macy Barber back? Like, is she is she back to being kind of who we thought she could be? Before that, two fights kid, before the long layoff, three fights in a row wins. All three of them, she's gotten better and better. The Jessica I win was a particularly impressive performance. Andrea Lee, a step up from Jessica I, especially the version of Jessica I that she was fighting. Is she back? I think so. I really think so. And I'm
1: glad you worded your question that way because I kind of like put the exact same thing on my sheet here because she's the second leg of my parlay with Holly Holm. It's a ladies night parlay. I don't feel like I've had one in a while, but I really, really like this one. That one is minus one Oh five. So 1.05 units put down on that two leg money line. And I think she's back. You put it perfectly. She has looked better and better with each passing fight. I feel like that hype that was once there for 19 year old Macy Barber. Let's be honest. That's a little unfair. It's different now for 24-year-old Macy Barber. The hype's here. I'm back on that train. A win here against Andrea Lee tells me a lot, too, because she's no slouch. She's had a ton of high-level competition. I, I'm with you.
0: I will definitely be buying into that. I'm, I'm a little resistant right now, but if she beats Andrea Lee, especially if she looks particularly good, I'm talking, you know, because she has that Miranda Maverick win where it wasn't right. all that. Right. You know, Miranda Maverick's very good but it wasn't exactly the most convincing win. If she's able to convincingly beat Andrea Lee, then I'll probably be back on saying, okay, she's a real threat. I will also mention I have a little action on that fight as well, that second parlay. I'm going to call it, it just came to me, I'm going to call it the good party ratio uh, parlay. Mm -hmm. That's because we got four girls and two guys. So I already said home Santos over one and a half. You got Lee Barber over one and a half. And then I'm sure we'll mention it at least, but I do have Pineda Lutz under two and a half on there. So you Uh, dirty (laughs) parlay comes out the plus one Oh nine.
1: Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good.
0: Dominic, your next fight.
1: I will say, honestly, I only had one other one on here. There's plenty of sleepers, but it's just like the talking points. There's more to be had on Monday. I feel like, but it's hard to, for me, not to discuss, Chidi and Jokuani versus yeah. Albert Durayev. Chidi minus 150, Durayev plus 130. It screams banger to <clears> me, <throat> but it also screams, be careful, Dominic, what you're going to bet <laughs> at the same time. Cheaty has 14 knockouts. Durayev, all four of his losses are by knockout. Yeah. However, yeah. Durayev has a very grapple-heavy style, and cheaty does not. And when cheaty loses... Seven of his eight are by finish. There are routes for both guys to clearly win this fight. The problem is, I don't have the confidence as to which man can take that route quicker. And that's why I personally stayed away from this as much as I wanted to. But I did get a little hint on the DraftKings betting group that you did not explain to me, Noah.
0: Yeah. So I took Albert Durayev at plus 130. Again, I like the plus money on that. But I'm about to tell you something that kind of would point anybody in the opposite direction. What you just said, completely facts. And the Durayev that fought on the contender series showed just that. I believe it was against Kaio Bittencourt, and it was a first-round submission, just real quick, took him down, got him out of there. And I was very impressed by it. That's why he's been one of my guys. Yeah. problem is, okay, he's 1-1 and in the UFC. He's fought Roman Kopilov and then he fought uh, Joaquin Buckley. Yeah, you know, both pretty fun fights, but the problem in both of them, even though he's won against Roman, is that he almost gets a little too comfortable just having a like a kickboxing fa- a fight. He doesn't show any sense of urgency in those two fights to really take it to the ground. Yeah, and to be honest, it nearly cost him against Kopilov. I felt like, like I felt like that Roman Kopilov fight should have been easier for him than he made it. And that's not because Kapilov isn't a good fighter, but it's because he won to fight out striking a guy who is known for striking mm-hmm. without even I don't even know if he delivered one takedown in that fight even attempted one. Against Buckley, you know, it was a lot of the same. And Buckley's a harder guy to take down for sure. Yeah, but to be honest, it just um, that's my my fear with this fight is he has a clear path here. You go for Chidi, you take him down. You dominate him on the ground. It's happened against Cheaty many times before. Problem is, is that what he's is that what he's going to do? I think he will, and I'm that's why I put the money on it. But I'm not exactly confident that he's, that's what he's going to do. To be honest, I feel like the most likely outcome of this fight is, based off what we've seen in their UFC careers thus far, is Chidi winning this thing by TKO or knockout. Because yeah, yeah, I just know that that's what Chidi's going to look to do. What is Durayev going to look to do based off his two UFC bouts? I don't exactly know. Yeah. So I'm sort of making this bet off of a projection. Not the smartest way to bet, but he's one of my guys. I kind of, you know, it wouldn't feel right. Even though I like Cheedy, it wouldn't feel right to bet on him, you know?
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
0: Any action for you on this fight? Or you said you stayed away, right? Well,
1: see, I don't have a lot of plays right now. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I don't like this card. And Uh, part of that's probably credit to the odds makers, to be honest. I feel like they nailed it everywhere. So it makes it hard for betters. We'll talk about Um, that more when we get
0: to the bet slip because I I have a similar issue. But yeah, we'll talk
1: about that. I'm not completely like 100% done with my bets. Like when we get to the the bet slip later, I might not be done. There might be more to come this weekend, but it's just tough for me. I I maybe, maybe we'll take Chidi by knockout because I believe it's plus odds. But we shall see. But yeah, nothing right now on this one.
0: I'll just give two quick shout-outs to two fights that I feel like are going to be <clears throat> have the potential to be a lot of fun, I should say. Um, first off, Nate Landwehr taking on Austin Lingo. Yeah. Uh, Landwehr is just always in fun fights. Even if Austin Lingo, you have more of a fear of – I mean, the guy's got five decisions and ten fights in his professional MMA career, so not exactly a decision-heavy fighter but not exactly a electric finisher either and in his three ufc bouts they've all gone to a decision which actually since I'm talking about it I'll mention the bet I put um I did take this fight to actually start round 3 at minus 120 I don't hate so, it so you know it's uh it's hard because when Landwehr loses yeah he gets smashed in the first round and he goes to sleep like not TKO, like he gets knocked out but you look at the punishment he took him and david onama dished back and forth and he still came back and won that fight i like him to win this fight but i don't think it's going to come easy as it hardly ever does with the guy
1: well can i just say one thing too on those two like yeah he when he loses he loses and they were against good competition, but both of them, flying knees. I don't know if Austin yeah. Lingo is going to be throwing out any flying That's knees <laughs> either. So I think this is going to be one that the ass cheeks, they're going to be clenched for sure. Yeah. There's going to be moments you're going to have to clench yeah. up, but I think at plus odds, I like that play. I,
0: I, I completely, I knew when I put that in, I'm like, this is an ass clincher one. Yeah, like this yeah. this is it, I almost was like, do I want to put it in? Because I know it's just going to make me sweat, but yeah. I did. Did I mention I've had Perez cop to not start round three, by the way? Oh, you did not. Okay. Okay. Well, I have it to not start round three at minus minus one thirty-five. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the rest in the, uh, bed slip portion, but I will just mention also, uh, the other fight that I think is going to be great is Daniel Pineda, uh, Tucker Lutz, Daniel Pineda. We have not seen him since, uh, the eye poke incident thing that happened. Yep. And, um, you know, he is an interesting, very interesting fighter, this Daniel Pineda is, isn't he? Because this guy has looked incredible at times, like he did against Herbert Burns. But then he was getting he was getting tagged up by Cub Swanson. And, you know, he's got 14 losses in his professional career. He's got two UFC stints, combined four and five across both of them. I think in his current one, he's one and one. So, I mean... He's also a guy who uh, was in the PFL prior and had a uh, pop for PED, so he's got like a bunch of no contests as well on his resume. I don't know what to expect from him here, but I do feel like he's going to go for it and not allow Tucker Lutz to just coast to a victory. And because of that, I have more confidence in this one being a finish.
1: Yeah, well, Pineda's had 44 professional fights, 39 of them <laughs> have ended inside of the distance.
0: So Tucker, and you want to hear this not- one? Yeah, like if you guys, if anybody out there really likes this fight to go to a decision, Daniel Pineda is zero and five in all five decisions that he's gone to. So yeah. yeah, you know Tucker Lutz not exactly a heavy finisher either. So I mean it's it's possible.
1: Oh wait, I'm actually glad you brought up this fight. I I do have Tucker Lutz. Um, he oh, okay. is one leg of another two leg parlay. So Tucker Lutz there. I just think I worry about the layoff for Pineda. And I worry about that kill-or-be-killed mindset because Tucker Lutz does have a very good fight IQ. And I think he can definitely win a decision, as Noah just alluded to. But I think he can even get Pineda to the ground and finish him as well. So just more pass to victory for me. The younger guy, uh, the fresher guy. So I went with Lutz, one-half of a minus 105 parlay. We'll touch on the rest
0: later. I already mentioned Pineda Lutz on my uh, good party (laughs) ratio parlay, plus 109, under 2.5. Okay, with that, Dominic, I think that's enough for UFC San Antonio. We'll talk a little bit more about our gripes on the betting side in a little bit. Let's get into some headlines. Mm. There's actually some good talking points this week. It starts with Leon Edwards, your uh, and still, right? You know, from last week. He made an appearance on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani. And of course, what was on everybody's mind was what he thought of Dana essentially just giving. Colby Covington, the title fight. We talked mm-hmm. about that, of course, on here a little bit last weekend. There's a clip on the YouTube channel. So if you would like to hear just that discussion, feel free to go check that out after this episode. Um, with that being said, though, he said, Dominic, he will decline a fight with Colby Covington. Sort of speaking to, you could tell that there's a little bit of, um, well, originally, that instead of having headlines, before there was multiple bullet points here, my headline read, Payback is a Brit. I love that. Fighting. I did see that. Yeah. So I wanted to throw that out there because I was like, damn it. I have to change it because it doesn't really fit with the rest of these. But, you know, but that's what it felt like. It felt like he was kind of out for a little bit, like, you know what? When I was, you know, had all these, this big long winning streak, but nobody wanted to give me a fight. What did Colby Covington say? He said, who? Who's that? Called him Leon Scott, all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. So now that Leon's got the title fight, Colby all of a sudden wants it, wants to fight him. And he's kind of like, no, fuck you. And I get that. And, you know, that's fine if he wants to do that. Problem is when everybody's like, hell yeah, because everybody was pissed about Colby getting the title fight. And I'm not saying there ain't good reason to be upset about it. Dude, it's been the biggest talking point of the past week. (laughs) And I mean, because you rightfully do have a guy in Bilal Muhammad who is Mm -hmm. more deserving of it based off the current resumes, off the win streaks, you know? But what's funny is everybody's like, hell yeah, Leon, he won't take this fight. Not going to give Colby what he wants. Going to stick it to the UFC. Then Leon goes, yeah, I think the right title fight for me next is Jorge Masvidal. (sighs) Huh? He had us in the first half. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's going to be some – there is some people out there. I can tell, by the way, of course, Ariel and his crew acted about it because they were not against it. What it kind of comes down to, Dominic, is I feel like the UFC, when I when I really kind of simmered on this longer, because my thoughts when we talked about this on Monday, I was a little bit like, yeah, I wish he would go out and earn it a little more, but I kind of get it, right? Like, I get what the UFC is yeah. doing. Yeah. I didn't really expect them to not go this direction. Like, I was going to be kind of surprised if Bilal got the next title shot, not that he doesn't deserve it. So, it, if anything, I came off a little passive about the whole thing, probably compared to most people. But when I thought about it longer, I'm like, man, isn't it kind of dumb? I'm not trying to say I'm smarter than those guys, but isn't it kind of dumb to grant Colby, uh, say he's the title, he is getting the next title shot. When you have this big fight coming up with Masvidal Burns, which again, I'm not saying either of those guys should necessarily get the next shot, but it feels almost like promoter malpractice to say that fight has no stakes to it. That's what he said. There's no title shot on the line shouldn't Mm -hmm. you just let this build let people speculate because gilbert burns with the win there feels like a guy who could also be in the title conversation so that's been something weighing on my mind a little bit that i did i feel like i should have acknowledged but didn't the bigger thing here though dom is i think the ufc giving colby covington the title fight was the perfect mix to piss both sides off there's two sides to this debate and he is Dana, by announcing has pissed both of them off. You have the side that want the more merit-based matchup with Bilal Muhammad. Well, Colby Covington's fought four times since the end of 2019. He's 2-2. and The two losses, close title fights, but the two wins against, well, Jorge Masvidal and Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley no longer in the UFC. Bilal Muhammad, meanwhile, has this very long uh, unbeaten streak because he's Mm -hmm. got uh, no contest with Leon. But then you have the other side who is fine with, like, let's go for the biggest fight, the most exciting fight, the biggest storyline. Well, Dominic, that doesn't point to Colby Covington. That points to Jorge Masvidal if he wins that fight on UFC yeah. 287. So then you have those people going, well, why is Colby getting the fight? Jorge, Leon, three-piece, in a soda. It makes mm-hmm. sense. So somehow they did the worst of both. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm, you,
1: you've made like really good points, especially like they kind of put their, the UFC as they put themselves in a weird spot because you literally just have to, you had to wait two weeks. Just wait two weeks. Don't say yeah. anything. Yeah. Like Colby, you know, was back up, flew to London, made the wait. That's cool. He's in the discussions, obviously, yeah, if he's yeah, doing yeah. that. But don't say anything because then you've got speculation. You've got more importance on Burns Mosby all. It's already important. It's a huge co-main event that adds more importance because Gilbert can put a win streak together. If he beats Masvidal, if Masvidal wins, whatever you want to say about the guy, a win over Gilbert Burns, that's pretty solid win with the the storyline with Leon Leon
0: outright going public saying that's who he wants to fight next. People would be like, no shot. Masvidal somehow skips the line, right?
1: Yeah. And, and I know the storyline about Bilal is merit-based resume based It's more than that. Him and Liana fought each other before. It went to a no contest. There is history there between those two. There are more storylines for Burns, Masvidal, and Bilal than there are for the man that has been, as of now, given the next title shot in Colby Covington.
0: very interesting. I mean, again, do I think that either of the Leon Burns, potential Leon Burns or Leon Bilal fights are bigger, are going to do more buzz, are going to do more in pay-per-view buys if it's headlining, of course, uh, versus Leon Colby? No, but you do raise a good point that it's not like Bilal is strictly a merit-based argument either. I mean, there is a little bit of history there. So this is my thing because I I was sort of in, in this sort of you know, middle ground on Monday, strictly because I was like, look, I understand the UFC. I feel like the UFC took it as we want a fight that's going to sell. And we know Colby's going to go out on social media. He's going to say a lot of crazy shit, maybe some stuff we don't want to say, you know, about people who work for the company. We'll get to that. He's going to really sell it. It's going to be a great lead up. We're probably going to do a pretty good number on pay per view. Social media is going to be buzzing, especially if Leon wins. If Colby wins, Potentially you set up like, I mean, for God forbid, if, if, if Connor McGregor were to knock out Michael I've Chandler, seen all, of a sudden, say that. Yeah, all of a sudden yeah. you have that fight, which you know the two of those guys going at, it's just going to create this huge buzz. So I understand that. And they're like, but he's also a guy that's like at the top of the rankings. He's fought for the title twice. He's coming off the win over Masvidal. Big grudge match, also a main event of a pay-per-view. So I feel like they looked at it as like the middle ground. But unfortunately they've just pissed off everybody yeah like yeah they wanted something that was more merit than masvidal but also more star power than, Bilal. than Bilal. Yeah. instead it's just made everybody angry so okay. i think it was just not the right move i'm not saying it would have changed anything if masvidal goes in there it knocks out burns you know colby probably still has a better a bigger right to fighting for a title than Masvidal is he just beat him a year ago, and maybe we could debate that because a win over Burns, I mean that's a pretty good win. Yeah. But also, doesn't that elevate Colby's win over Mosby? Right. I mean, it just gets confusing, you know. So that's why it's all like it just feels like we should have just waited instead of just announcing mm-hmm. it. What this is not out of character for Dana. What is Dana White's like biggest quote? I don't make fights tonight of the fight. Like and of why course why, why this did this one fight either. have to get made?
1: <laughs> yeah, what was so yeah. special
0: about this one?
1: This yes. man—they
0: were basically announcing everywhere that John Jones Stepe was done deal after the card, and Dana wouldn't even commit to that. But Colby Covington versus uh Leon Edwards is so big, so massive, it's got to be booked now. Yeah, it's a little. Can weird. I ask you one question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it?
1: Because you talked about how if Masvidal beats Burns, isn't that a bigger win than Colby beating Jorge? But Jorge's you know, I get it. But if Jorge beats Gilbert, what's bigger? Jorge Leon, Colby Leon? Which one? I
0: mean, it I, I I yeah, it's Jorge Leon, probably. Because of the
1: three-piece of the soda from I, many moons well, ago. I mean
0: Jorge's I again, we don't have a ton of numbers anymore to kind of back these up because the UFC don't normally release their pay-per-view buys anymore. So we're kind of left in the dark of actually how big of star power a lot of these guys have. Yeah. You know, I know Jorge's losing streak here has kind of hurt his star power. Cause you know, 2019 that guy was, I mean, he may have meant card with Nate Diaz and it was for a fake belt, you know, didn't even need a belt on it. It was just a fight that everybody wanted to see. Is Masvidal still at that level? Like of, uh, stardom? Probably not.
1: I feel like as a star, him and Colby are probably,
0: I mean, I would, I mean, they may have entered together a year ago. Well, yeah. Yeah. True. And here's another weird thing that I always remember is if I remember right, the rumor was that that card didn't sell very well.
1: I think because
0: so. Endeavor during their like quarterly, um, whatever you call it their they were give they were, you know, their quarterly updated the business, whatever. Yeah. that are investors. They're pointing out that UFC 274, which was Oliveira versus Gaethje, had sold over 400,000 pay-per-views. Well, yeah. if if Colby and Jorge in the same time frame had sold more, wouldn't you have picked that one? So that right. told me that that fight did less than 400,000, which also would make it kind of a disappointment because I think that was a fight a lot of people thought would hit that 500 mark to yeah. really yeah. You know, set a standard. But... That's again. That doesn't also also. It doesn't just hurt Jorge. It kind of hurts Colby's like perceived value. Mm. David does seem to be a guy. You look at the reactions he does with power slap, where he doesn't care about the TV ratings. He cares about the social media. The the how many retweets? How many likes? How many shares? All this stuff. How many views on TikTok? Whatever. Colby, I think generates more of that kind of buzz than Jorge does. Yeah. And because of that, I feel like Dana's in this mindset right now where he values that over the literal like numbers that a pay-per-view generates. So I think he views Colby as the bigger star because social media would tell you he's a bigger star. But is social media really painting the full picture? You know, I don't know. Yeah, very true. Speaking of Colby Covington. He had another beef going on this week, and that's with the old John Anik, the voice of the UFC or the the lead play by play man, uh, the one of the best voices of all time. Also, one of the most likable guys of all time. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. So (laughs) this kind of stems from Dom that uh, you know I, I actually went and listened to the latest episode of Anik and Florian. You know John Anik, Kitty Florian. They have an MMA podcast. They do like once a week. Mm-hmm. It was originally on their own channel. They've now recently become under DraftKings. So they're on the DraftKings YouTube channel now. Oh. So on their same network, and I don't know if this is also under DraftKings or what, John Anik's brother does a podcast with Bilal Muhammad. Yeah. Yep. So there's the so John Annick, yeah. So John annick Bilal. you know, they're 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 tight, right? Because yep. Yep. there's that connection right there. Well, I listened to Anik and Florian, and I didn't. see I, I, they, they talked about it. You know, they talked about Dana saying that about Colby and how Bilau, you know, was upset about it. But Anik never really said anything that would lead me to believe that he was like, like. If anything, I thought he, on a podcast, he should be allowed to kind of speak his mind. Right. I felt like he kind of just held himself out of that because I'm sure he felt like he's probably a little biased on the situation. Mm -hmm. didn't really say anything negative about Colby. So I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know if it's strictly Colby knowing that this will generate some buzz yeah, just because he's connected to Blau. He felt like he could get away with going after him. I don't know. But Colby essentially called out John Anik for, you know, Dick riding Blau or whatever he said. Um, But then he kind of, I mean, he took it a step further, Dom. He said, uh, You know, I don't want your kids to have to grow up without a dad. Don't forget basically how close they live. You know, they're not that far apart. They both live in the state of Florida. In Florida, yeah. So, you know, anytime these kind of things happen, I mean, we just had this with Colby a year ago where Jorge, you know, sucker punched him outside of a steakhouse in Miami. And there's been other, you know, Connor and Habib up, got a little dark at times. Typically, Dana's kind of stuck to his guns on like, you know, this is the fighting business. People are going to say mean things to each other. But when this involves someone who (laughs) is not a fighter, you know, this is a guy who works for your company, but he is not a fighter. Do you feel like they should set a little bit of a standard here?
1: I, I just think it's this is stupid.
0: You mean like yeah. the UFC set a standard,
1: though? Is that what like, you Like, should the
0: UFC... I'm not saying they should outright reprimand him, but should there be sort of this no-tolerance policy implemented on going after people outside of the fight? Like, if Colby was to say something like that about Leon, I don't think as many people are making a big deal out of this. It's the fact that he went after a guy... Like, it's kind of... I mean, it's everything that you... I know what Colby's doing here. Like, this is why we're talking about it. For sure. You know, he has no, he's never actually going to do any of this. We all know that, but should it be allowed to just be said like recklessly? Like, because problem is Dom and uh, Luke Thomas made this point on morning combat that when the UFC doesn't say anything and Colby just says this at John Anik, Colby has this rabid fan base that sort of yeah attack people online. So now all of a sudden John Anik has people, attacking him, attacking his family yeah, on social media. is it, Because of that, does the UFC need to do something to sort of show this is not okay?
1: I wouldn't mind it. And at the end of the day, one, John Anik's not a fighter, first and foremost, but secondly, right. he's an employee of the UFC. Right. He's an employee like 400, 500 other people are. The ticket guys, the marketing guys. He's an employee. And a fighter going after an employee... Of the company they fight for seems wrong in many many ways. Let me take it a step further. By the way, the irony in this stupid ass call out of John Anik, Colby is threatening to do to John Anik what he pressed charges on Jorge Masvidal for doing to him. What? what? Come on, man. Come on. And I'm that wasn't that point fully wasn't me. I saw someone kind of say something like that on Twitter Mm -hmm. as well. But I had to bring that up. It's just stupid. But like you said, nothing's going to happen. But you bring up a good point about like the fan base thing and stuff. Like John Anik is as good as it gets. And he's a man that shows zero bias when he's calling yeah. fights. Even when he's calling a Bilal fighter a, the DC fights that he would call. Right. So unbiased. Not that other commentators show it, but it comes out a little. Like Biz being in the UK, he had a little yeah. bit more love toward him. So DC on and
0: so forth. with the guys that train at AKA.
1: Right. Anik is as straight and narrow as it gets. He's the best commentator, really one of the best in all of sports right now. And he just seems like an awesome human being. So it's just gross. It's stupid. It's pointless. But again, like you said, we're talking about it. Twitter's talking about it. The clips are getting shared everywhere, right? That's what Colby is so good at doing, getting his name out there. And it goes to what you said about the Dana thing with social media. What does Colby do? He gets clicks and he gets views on social media, That creates buzz, creates hype. This is another example of it here. It's not toward a fighter. It's not about a title fight, but it's about the lead play-by-play man in the UFC.
0: Some people may be surprised to hear this, but as we sit here recording on Thursday, we are less than a week removed from when Dana initially said, Colby gets the next shot. I can sit here with confidence and say, everything that's happened since he said that has only made him more confident that Colby is the guy to be next for Leon. You're probably right. Yeah. Now I do just want to say quickly that remember when Dan Hardy kind of went after Herb Dean during the middle of the fight, Mm -hmm. Dana said after if any of my employees, if any of the fighters talk to a referee like that, you will be fired basically. Yeah. You know, kind of feel like, a little bit of that should be kind of going on here. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, this is a man, John Anik, just doing his job. I mean, not that podcasting is his main job, but he's just a guy kind of caught in the, in the middle crossfire. of fire. Yeah. Caught in the crossfire here. Like it's not his fight, you know? Yeah, I agree. But I'm sure Colby literally went after him strictly because he knows what a beloved figure John Anik is. And yeah, I mean, it's all calculated. Oh yeah. Undoubtedly. Last one just real quick, Dana White he was talking to the uh I believe it was the sports business journal I want to say it was just a written article. He said he is going planning to go back into boxing Dom within the okay. next uh, I believe it was twelve to twenty four months he said he will have started a boxing promotion. okay Of course, this is not the first time Dana has talked about going into boxing. his roots are actually. In Mm -hmm. boxing, but more recently than that, Zufa boxing was this idea for a long time. The McGregor, um, the McGregor Mayweather fight, Dana came out, I remember one of the press conferences wearing a Zufa boxing shirt, so it's always been something he's kind of had in his brain. But then Mm -hmm. more recently, I've seen interviews with him where he talks about what a mistake he almost made. There was some business decision he almost made a couple years ago involving boxing that would have screwed him completely. He's so glad, and he's like, I will never do boxing, and blah, 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 it's too broken, It's it can't be fixed. And now here he is again. And a lot of this is due to uh, that kid that he's got on uh, Fight Pass he's promoting everywhere, that uh, Callum forgot his last name. I just texted him. Yeah, from him. Ireland, no? Yeah, so he I, – I was kind of wondering this because I had been seeing them promoting him yep, for a little I bit. the same thing. And then he was on fight pass, but I know fight pass has boxing on there. Like, a, you know, not super abnormal. So I didn't say anything, but it didn't really surprise me when I saw this. Cause I was like, okay, this kid's supposed to be like the guy they're building up to be yeah. that, that poster boy for his uh, promotion. So what do you make of this Dom? I mean, we know the pay structure of boxing is a lot different than the UFC. The whole structure of the sport is so much different or so much more power given to the fighters in negotiations and really everything. So with that being said, do you really see this coming into fruition or how will it go? You know, will he actually become a player in boxing? Maybe. I think
1: maybe's as much as I can go because I felt like that's where I stood with Zufa boxing. Oh, maybe, maybe Dana will start this kind of boxing um, under the umbrella of the UFC or under Zufa rather, I guess um because you know he started power slapping and i know it's not under the umbrella of the ufc but damn sure feels like it sometimes uh who would ever thought by the way he goes to power slap fighting over boxing first but we'll see he's really putting his hand in a lot of uh, jars man i mean he's Does already that, such a busy it, that kind of man. makes
0: me wonder just you know people were, were already speculating about his level of uh yeah man interest in really being yeah you know, his level of involvement with the UFC when the power slap stuff started mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if he's starting a boxing promotion, I mean I don't know like it just doesn't it doesn't exactly feel like he's gonna be putting more time into the UFC I mean, I feel like if boxing starts
1: and power slap stays around, he's got a... I don't know if we see him as the president for many more years. I would I think say he, he – uh, I,
0: I think he stays as the president, but it will be purely a – As a face. Fig, a figurehead.
1: Yeah. That, yeah that's kind of minimum. what he's
0: doing now, but, I mean, even to a greater extent. Like, he has almost yeah. no – he may not even be involved in the matchmaking meetings and all that. Like, that's, that's the next step, and I could see that happening.
1: Yeah, and I don't have much of a hand in boxing as, like, even you – so again, all I can say is maybe, but like what do you do you think it is realistic and possible for him to kind of have a boxing banner?
0: Realistic I'm I'm very he- hesitant to say it's realistic. But it's hard to doubt Dana White, man. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. he's just he's kind of a guy that makes things happen. Whether you like the power slap stuff or not, he's finding a way to keep it around. Yeah. So if he's really that dead set on being a boxing promoter, being in that business, do I believe he could actually? Do I believe he will do it? Like start it? Yes. Do I think he's ever going to be really competing for a Canelo Alvarez or right, a Deontay right. Wilder, a Tyson Fury, whoever? No, I don't think he's. I think he wants to try to do it his way. So I, I think what you could see is it'll definitely be popular because he's going to do what he did with power slap he's going to connect it to the ufc and you know i'm more fine with that because i like boxing yeah. um but he's going to connect it to the ufc he's going to put that that promotional pull behind it so it's going to gather a lot of interest and he's going to try to do what he did with martial arts with the ufc for boxing he's going to try to keep guys under you know boxing's much more of a wild west you know you have like four or five Boxing titles and like Yeah,
1: it's very confusing.
0: Yeah, there's a and the, all these boxing commissions have a title. Yeah you're the champion, you could be the champion of two, another guy's the champion of one, another guy's a champion of another. Yeah. It gets it gets a little less confusing when I've only been really paying attention for a few months, Dom, and I promise you it gets easier. <laughs> but with that being said, do I think Dana can just do what he did with the UFC to boxing and make it like a real big, sustainable thing. Not really. I mean, uh, Callum Walsh, by the way, was the the guy, the boxer that he's promoting. Well, you know that I I can't imagine Dana ever paying the kind of money that these top boxers get paid to fight. They make a lot. (laughs) So if he's not willing to do that, when Callum Walsh gets to a certain level, if he stays undefeated, he's going to get to a point where he is too big for Zuffa boxing or whatever it's called, yeah. so that means that Dana's promotion can be can exist, but it's always going to be like you know a, a place to promote these guys, and then when they're ready to really go into the the big leagues of boxing, they'll go do that.
1: Well, do you think there's a place for that? Maybe do you think there's a place for? I think the there's newer... a place for
0: it for sure. Yeah. I just don't see Dana White being like cool with that.
1: Having yeah yeah. That makes like, really, really it just, good sense. it just
0: feels like if he's gonna do it, he's gonna want to be a big he would player. want
1: to compete. Yeah, you're right. Especially which like- is why
0: again, there's so many factors pulling me each direction. Like mm. I think, no, it's not very realistic. Well, maybe he's willing to change, you know, be more open to that kind of but he but he doesn't want to go into boxing and do it like it's being done. That's what he's always said. Yeah. But I don't see how he's gonna go in and do it his way, if his way is gonna be similar to what he built in MMA like I just don't I don't see it uh, but I do I doubt him no because I really can't I mean he, he does make things happen
1: as a fan would you kind of prefer that like almost a minor league system if you will would that be intriguing to you okay we have it under this UFC umbrella quotes there around that word <laughs> we can build up these young prospects how good are they and then it makes it easier for you and even someone like me, who's much less involved mm-hmm. in, in the world of boxing, to follow them and create intrigue for me to watch more of the big boy boxing. And this is just an additional part, but definitely answer that first one. But the second part is a lot of UFC fighters talk about boxing. This would be a really easy way for them to get yeah. into it with Dana White. So.
0: Yeah, no, I, I do think there's a place for it. I think I would like to see it. Like mm-hmm. if that's what they're gonna do, I think nobody better to do that than yeah someone yeah. like Dana and UFC or whoever is gonna be a part of this group. Because I know power slap, there's some overlap with the staff, but also like the management level people are mm-hmm. I believe different. Like I don't I don't think Hunter Campbell's working right for power slap. But do I believe Dana is the kind of guy that could be the best guy to build that kind of minor league system or whatever? Maybe because there would actually be some structure to it. You can, we can, you know, talk about the pay, whatever. But even in today's boxing, you know, the 95% of the money goes to those top guys. Yeah. The guys who you're watching real early on those cards don't make much at all. They make less than the guys who open UFC cards. So, yeah. That's why, you know, we can argue about it. But I'm just saying a lot of, I could see a lot of young boxers being like, this is a great marketing and promotion to get me right yes. in somewhere. A yes. bit like contender series for boxing. It's kind of yep. in some ways. And then, yes, it would allow a lot of older, maybe aging out UFC fighters. Because, you, know, you know, the UFC is probably looking at some of this Anderson Silva. and yeah. Well, you right said Holly Holm
1: earlier, by the way. Can you elaborate yeah. a little?
0: Uh, they asked her when she said she signed her six-by deal. They said it, she talked and they talked to her about boxing. And okay. She said they had the conversation had been had, but that she was focused on MMA for.
1: Okay, I was just curious.
0: Uh, Jorge Masvidal also said that uh, the UFC are kind of backing his uh, game bread boxing event coming up. Okay. So I don't know if that's interesting or not, but maybe it'll be on Fight Pass. Maybe they will kind of use it to maybe see how boxing does on their platform. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting, but Dana's done this before. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, true. Also true.
0: Fight announcements.
1: Ooh, we got a couple good ones. All up. of
0: these hitting today, pretty much. So yeah. Three three of them, Dom. I'll go through the list, get your thoughts. Armand Saryukian does get his next fight booked, and it'll be against Moicano wants money. Sick ass fight, man. I always forget if he says Hinato or Moikano in that. Isn't it Moicano? Moicano, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's happening on April 29th. Then you got Ian Machado-Gary taking on Daniel Rodriguez May 13th. And Jacker Manson versus Brendan Allen in a five-round main event on June 3rd. So, Dominic, the good, the bad, the ugly of these three. Fuck, Mary, kill these three fights. (laughs) Actually do. You actually want me to? Okay.
1: (laughs) Um. Ooh. Oh, that's tough actually this is that's a toughie how about <laughs> we uh how about we go to pound town with Machado Gary D-Rod? okay I'm with you we we mm, wow this is gonna hurt to say this Mary saryuki and Moikano kill her Manson I Alan.
0: I actually agree with that
1: but with that said <laughs> now listen I saw your tweet you sent mm-hmm. it in the group and I agree the fight night headliner June 3rd should be Albazi KKF, Kaikar France, yeah. for sure. That's just another example of flyweights getting slept on. But as a Brendan Allen fan, I'm happy for him at least. Um, but more so, main event aside, uh, this is a big fight for him. Big step yeah. up against is. a contender level guy and Jack Hermanson. Uh, so I really do like that one. But again, based off of the uh, game we just played, Saryuki and Moikano, <laughs> most excited for that one. It And I probably. Like, I really think about it. It's like, oh, I don't really see Saryukian losing, but damn it, if he does lose, you know, Moikano's is going to have a hell of a performance. And I think yeah. that's what makes it so fun to think about.
0: Armand should be a heavy favorite in that fight, but. Mm, yeah, I wonder what they'll be. But I've been liking Moicano's run he's been on. I even compared him mm-hmm. to Charles Oliveira, which is like mm-hmm. the third time I've made that comparison on this episode. But at that comparison was legitimate. I said I could see Moicano even having that mm-hmm. late run in his career as a champion. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Know, bit ballsy at lightweight, mm-hmm. but you know what? Fuck yeah. it, man. I like Moicano. So yeah, this would be the kind of fight, though, that he would have to – Due to upset win, if he is going to be that kind of guy later in his career. As yeah. far as the other fights, I mean, Hermanson Allen is not a bad fight. It's actually a really intriguing fight, yeah. Especially for Brendan Allen. That's the problem, though. Not as much intrigue for Jack Hermanson. uh is that Jack what Hermanson, kind of pains you with the main event? You know, Jack Hermanson. I. Lo- it's not that I don't even like dislike him or anything. He's a good fighter, but. It doesn't feel like he should be in a main event spot, being that he's been on such a 50-50 kind of run as of late. He's sort of fallen out of the even contendership. He's fallen out of even like top-level middleweight status. Middleweight already, not a super-stacked division. Brendan Allen looked so good in his last fight, Dom. I have more questions about Jack Hermanson. Even though Brendan Allen's the one taking the step up here, I'm not even sure I can confidently say Jacker Manson is a step up from Andre Muniz. I'm not exactly sure I can say that. Ooh. It's a step up rankings wise, but, but skill. which is why for Brendan Allen, I think this is a great fight to take. Yeah. But Jacker Manson's gonna have to really show me something here because even when he's won recently, the Chris Curtis fight, mm-hmm. it's like okay, he looks fine, but it's just it leaves you something. There's something missing.
1: Yeah, it's like one of the guys that, good fighter, but he's already been there and done that. He's had his handful of main events. It's like, okay, well, if he makes another run, gets in title contention, then yeah, five round for a title, right? But Mm. other than that, you just don't need to see it, because we want two people with two very important storylines to get these main events. And you're right, it feels like in this one, Brendan, probably deserving at this point to get his first smack, right? Number 12 but the other side of the coin doesn't, so I see where you're doing.
0: If, if it was Brendan Allen, Sean Strickland, would you be more open to this being a main event, or would you still kind of feel like... Yeah,
1: I think so, because Strickland, I feel like, a little bit more potential still, and they fought each other before, so you add in another yeah. storyline I'd be
0: more okay with it, but I'd still prefer KKF Albazi. I mean, that fight, to yeah. me, is yeah. just going to get... It's going to be like the one that opens the main card, and it's just going to piss me off. I feel like...
1: Like Brendan versus, um, I was going to say Dalize, but I don't know. It's hard for me to say that now after he lost to Vittori. But like if he were to fight like a Duplessis or something, five rounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's a good point. Something like that. So,
0: and Drake is should be a guy getting a main event because he should. Yes, he should. We've seen the gas tank in question, but it's been mostly three round fights. So, yeah, yeah. I will also mention or ask you a question about that Machado Gary D Rod fight. Because mm-hmm. I love, we love us some D Rod, but also, yeah, yeah, Ian Machado, Gary coming off the best performance of his UFC career, I would argue. Mm-hmm. My question for you: Are you surprised that they're giving him D Rod? He actually yes. wanted this fight, but are you surprised they're giving it to him?
1: Oh yeah, I I'm was. Shocked. Now, I I just think D Rod's a a bigger step up than I would have thought he was going to get. Like I wanted him to take a step up, yeah, Ian Gary. I would not have thought it would be D Rod next. D Rod is risky. Is I mean essentially top 15. He's like he's probably number 16 behind Michelle <laughs> Pahara. So like, you know, Ian Gary wins this one. You're in with the big boys now. There's no more yeah. tread and water. And if he loses, not I mean, there it's not a it's not bad to lose D Rod. There's nothing to hang your hat on. D Rod's honestly underrated for the most part, I feel like. Hardcore fans really respect him, other than mm. that. Not a lot of people know how good he is, so you know it is interesting. And you, I maybe cut you off a little. You said something about how it's um, dangerous or something for Gary, or it's what was it? Super risky. I yeah, mean, this risky. Is not risky. this is not yeah. the
0: kind. Look, even I wanted him to take a step up. But even I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah, yeah. And maybe I'm putting too much on D Rod. I mean, he, you know, I I expected him to look better against Neil Magny than mm-hmm. he did, but. I still think that guy's damn good. Truthfully, Dom, when I first saw this fight announced, I went, I favor D Rod here. Like, I don't know what that's the another odds are one. Be, like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I could see the number being a little heavy on Machado Gary, and I'm taking D Rod. But if it's, could I also heavy. see, could I also see Ian Gary being an underdog for that fight? Yes, I could. Like, I just, I don't know where those are. I don't know how people, I don't know how Vegas views D Rod. I really don't.
1: Yeah. I agree, man. That's a good one. It should be like, regardless of who wins or loses, on paper, that's a fun-ass fight. You look at the fight fight that Gary and the performance that he just had, and then just traditionally what you get from D-Rod and his fights, dude, Mm -hmm. that's an awesome fight.
0: That's a good point. Next up, the below-average bet slip. Of course, we've been kind of talking about a few of our plays as we've gone through here. Um, We do want to just say... We had an absolute hater in the comments last week. So I am going to just make it clear again. This is not betting advice. We just like to be a part of the greater conversation. We both enjoy MMA betting, MMA betting, and sports betting in general has become such a huge part of sports podcasting, of being on social media for sports, anything. It's only Because of that, we just like to be a part of the conversation, and that's what we're doing here. Literally, the name of the segment is below average Bet slip. Yeah. We've literally never claimed to give advice. We've
1: told you guys to fade us, as a matter of fact, yeah. on this show. So,
0: so, and I mean, by the way, yeah.
1: though, for the hater, it turned out well for you, by the way. But,
0: anyways, <laughs> that's so, I mean, I, I try not to even point these th- comments out on the show, but so oh my god it was the funniest that was a perfect one yeah i didn't see it till after the fight either if <laughs> i had seen that before the fight truthfully i would have been sweating that fight so i'm like please, <laughs> please, please. i'm yeah, like every yeah. bet can miss but this one's got to <laughs> hit um, yeah. but anyways just want to make that clear yeah again we're I having mean, fun. i think i feel like i say it a lot but also we reserve the right to not post our entire bet slip here if you want to get the full list of plays going into that card Saturday, just so you can again compare, contrast, fade, do whatever you want, head over Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Follow us at TheBajma, the Bajma, the B A J M M A in the top left corner. If you're watching on YouTube, Twitter specifically, we post the full bet slip day of. So I know Dominic said he's a little lighter on plays. He could have more. Okay. I feel pretty confident. This is all I'm going to have, but. There will be cases in the future, I'm sure, but yep. that will not be the case. So, yep. Dominic, I know we don't have as much probably to talk about in terms of our actual plays, but I agree with you. This card is tough. I thought last week's card was tough. This oh. week's card, when you get <sighs> deep on these prelims, if people really know these fighters, like have watched them as they came up through the, the regional scene, there is a ton of money to be made here because every fight is like even money, close odds. Yeah. Eyes.
1: Yeah, But if
0: you don't know a ton about these fighters or don't know a ton about the matchups, what they're going to do, a bit unpredictable, it is scary to say the least to really hedge your bet on anybody in here.
1: Mm -hmm. No, I agree, man. And like I I, what I always do Mm -hmm. when I'm starting to build out my bets is I start with fight one. I analyze all the stats, the records, the Mm -hmm. wins, the losses. Is there anything here that I like? I take it to the odds. What's it looking like? That's how I determine it. Fight by fight, I go up the ladder, and this one, man, I was struggling. I was talking to myself while I'm doing. I'm like, shit, I'm not going to try and force anything just for quantity. I want to make money. I want right. to, you know, have good bets, especially with some of these off weeks I've been having. So I really had a hard time uh, finding value. We already talked about some, but I only have three total plays right now. Two of them are parlays. I talked about the ladies' night. Uh, The other leg with Tucker Lutz was C.J. Vergara uh, against Daniel Lacerda, Daniel De La Silva. I don't know. I've seen like eight different names. (laughs) Daniel De
0: Silva or Daniel Lacerda. Yeah, I'm not sure which
1: one. But I went with Vergara because of just fight IQ and just better all-around fighting. Daniel is just, wow, three fights in the UFC, been finished all three times, I think, in the first round. I don't even know if the dude's ever been to a third round even so if Fagar can just kind of avoid the danger and the wildness that Daniel's going to present, I like him over the course of three rounds and maybe even a finish. That was another one I was debating if he could win by finish, but I'm like, ah, oh, he doesn't have the best track record with finishes. So I just went money line there. So again, he was paired with Tucker Lutz, minus 105. And then the only other one that we didn't touch on yet, um, Manuel Torres, money line, minus 145, so 1.45 units against Trey Ogden. I worry on this one a little if Ogden gets to fight to the ground because Torres has been to a third round once and it went to a decision. He did win it, but other than that, every other fight has ended in the first round. Mm-hmm. So we don't have a lot of uh, you know track record on the guy getting into the later <clears throat> rounds. How will he fare against a guy that's a grinder and Trey Ogden? But I really believe in his skill set. I remember even seeing him on Contender thinking, okay, you know, that that next wave of Mexican MMA, Raul Rosas Jr., Manuel Torres, so on and so forth. These really, really young, talented guys.
0: And Can I tell you what scared me, me off of Please going do. that way? Uh-huh. was just because Ogden, the way he fought Daniel Zellhuber, who was another mm-hmm. guy that came in with even more hype and had mm-hmm. greater odds, and he looked pretty good in that fight, Ogden did. So yeah. that's kind of what, even though I know these are two completely different fighters, I'm just like, it's it scared me off. I feel like Ogden's yep. just like a, he's just a bet buster right now. I don't know. Yeah,
1: man, dude, I don't blame you at all. That's definitely my most risky of the three. And if I had to pick one that I'm most confident in of the three right now, I'm probably going to go the ladies night parlay. I think yeah, I still like BC it. Though. Together. Like
0: I like that as a single. I'm not mad at mm-hmm. it or anything, but it's just, yeah. I mean, you just don't know.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, again, that's all I got as of now. Maybe I add a couple more that you'll see in this weekend. But right now, just three. We'll see what happens.
0: Can you tell me what your odds were again?
1: Uh, Manuel Torres, money line 145. Ladies' Night Parlay and the other parlay, Vigar and Lutz, were both minus 105.
0: So the only thing that would worry me about your plays, again, you had a much – you have, just because I've been doing better recently – you have a better track record for this uh, last year as proof of that. But I will just say, the only thing that would worry me if I were like, if I had your three plays is that they're all minus money. So yep. if one of them loses, you're kind of like I'm way behind the eight ball. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's been kind of my, I think key so far is I've been yep. doing a lot of plays, not forcing anything, but I've also not been second guessing myself. So like Mm. if there's something that my, my head's pulling at, I tend to just trust the, the instinct. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the stats. Don't get me wrong, but there's sometimes, you know, there's a couple bets on here where I would be like, Oh, but then that guy went to a decision one time. Do I really want to take the under in that fight? So I've been doing less of that. And I think it's worked out better for me. Um, Truthfully, uh, I've, I've went over most of the plays I have. The only ones I'll, I'll mention that I didn't already, uh, Alta Altamirano, Salvador, under 2.5, minus 135. I believe just like what you said with one of your guys, Salvador, I believe he's had around 15 professional MMA fights and 14 of them. He's, yeah. He's yeah. uh, finished. Altamirano, a little more risky, but that dude is – Puts on a fast pace and he's also willing to get into a brawl. And that's why I could see the makings of a fun fight, fun finish, hopefully. Um, that last parlay that I didn't really finish talking about. So plus 176, I had Vera Sanhagan to start round four, Holly Holm money line, and CJ Vergara money line. So I'm also on CJ Vergara. And then that one, the, um, the good party ratio parlay, plus 109. So okay okay that's pretty much all I got, dom actually yeah i mentioned land we lingo to start round three so mm-hmm. with that we'll go to the segment to finish the show the only segment we could do to finish the show it's a little segment we like to call closing statements now dominic you owned up to the fact that recently you have been struggling to come up with closing statements before it's really time to do it did you do a better job of that today
1: would you be disappointed in me if i said no
0: <laughs> no let me let me ask you this hmm? march madness we're in the second weekend starting well right now right uh, now <laughs> ago, so i'm sure we're both ready to you know start watching but without knowing i've not seen any score for the current game going on yeah yeah um any any team pulling you in their direction that you think could really you know any any of the teams that have been kind of surprising thus far that you think could be the ones to make that run? I'll tell you, I mean,
1: shit. This is I've never had a worse year for a bracket. Mm. I and I knew coming in though this was going to be just a sick March mm. madness. Like there yeah. was going to be upsets everywhere. Fun. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I can't even really pick someone to win, but maybe a run. You know, I wouldn't be surprised uh, Florida Atlantic beats Tennessee tonight,
0: to be Ooh, honest. Ooh, that's an interesting Tennessee, pick. uh
1: You know, let me tell you, I bet on Tennessee a couple times in the regular season, and uh, holy shit, did they just burn me more than once. One of them was a 20-leg parlay. I hit 19 of them. The one leg that lost was Tennessee. That's the one that stands out the most. It
0: happens every time.
1: Every time. So, yeah, man, I mean, it's nothing against the uh, volunteers, but I think Florida Atlantic at the 9 seed, they fended off against Fairleigh Dickinson. It was a close game, but I think a close game with them – doesn't necessarily represent how good they are. I think they can upset Tennessee tonight. I actually have a bet on them. It's funny I brought that mm. up. I have uh, Florida Atlantic plus 3. So we'll see.
0: I talked I took the alternate under in that game because Tennessee unders are like printing money. <laughs> there you go. Dude, This I'm whole doing, tournament has been printing money. I, on the yeah, unders. it has been and I've been cashing in every bit of it. <laughs> but no, in all honesty, like I've been doing the two-leg parlays for March Madness just because I understand I've been so bad at college basketball this year that I didn't even want to really go down that path the same way. So I did take like an alternate under the furthest I could make it Tennessee, FAU. Forget what I combined that with. But I'm actually going to pick a team from the same region that I think can make a run. I really, I actually had it in my bracket Michigan State in the Elite mm. Eight. Yeah. So. Mm. I, I, if they, they beat Marquette and that was the game that, you know, obviously you'd feel unsure about, but then I feel like Kansas state's even better than that Marquette team. Big 12 best basketball conference this year. They've been my favorite conference to watch. Unfortunately, the other team I really like in that conference was TCU. Same bro. I really thought they might be able to pull that one out. Kansas state's kind of the team that I'm, have a vested interest in in some ways but also would you my, like to see them win it all though but also that, for my bracket michigan yeah. state like would be nice to get to the elite eight but i don't know i kansas state i whoever wins that game is going to be my team to kind of say to i cheer them on the I rest of the way i like no that. offense xavier i know you're from my home yeah, state true.
1: but you know it is what
0: it is yeah. so, dominic anything else for closing statements before we get out of here <laughs>
1: That's all I got. I'm glad you brought that up though. A little basketball talk, yeah. betting talk.
0: So tonight's homework, make sure you come prepared with the closing statement. I something. know. I'm sorry. I apologize know, it's not, to you, to the fans. No, 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 no. It's it, it's hard because, you know, part of it is supposed to be spontaneity, right? It's supposed to be just yeah. something you get to do in the episode, something on the brain that you want to, you know, I think it's a fun way to end the show sometimes because we have some very random oh, conversations. Can, yeah. Yeah. But you know, if they don't, if they don't, we don't have to force anything either. Right.
1: If we don't have nothing, it that's, just isn't it. that
0: just like the motto for his podcast? Don't force it. Like,
1: I it really, like is. That's been, the...
0: I feel like it's been a mindset of ours from day one. Don't force yeah. anything. It, we're the
1: shit. Let's just be honest. You know, my name's Joe Baker.
0: That's Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the below average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Monday. I smell pasta.